The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640, the number to call Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll uh, very shortly get to the injury calculator, give you some details on that. It's a fancy tool you can use anytime, very useful, uh, by the way. While, while we're talking, you can go to it as well, injurycalculator.ca. We'll give you more details in just a bit. First segment, though, we want to cover a couple cases. We're going to talk about two, but you got three you want to cover this week. We do, yeah, and All it's right. always very difficult to choose the cases that I want to talk about at the beginning of every show because... Because there's just so many out there and, you know, we get contacted just by a ton of people Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. Uh, Ever since we started the show, uh, people just call me up with questions, email me with questions, and uh, we do our best to respond to everyone uh, literally within minutes, uh, if not hours, after getting uh, the, the, the inquiries. So let me start off with, um, with this one case. So this is a, a lady, a 37-year-old lady who came to see me earlier this week. And she came to see me. She contacted us because her uncle listens to the show. Okay. And he told her, uh, give Sivan a call. I've heard this insurance lawyer. It's interesting what he's saying, answering people's questions, etc. So that's all well and good. So, uh, you know, and, and generally speaking, when somebody already has a lawyer like this lady, I'm, I'm very careful in how I deal with the claim. I want to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I really give a proper yep. second opinion. And uh, if the lawyer is doing everything they're supposed to do, and I tell that to the person. I say, look, you're in good hands and just continue the way you are. And I Go explain forth. a few things, yeah. etc. It's usually just a communication issue. That's why they're coming to me. And so uh, I, I speak with her and I learned that uh, she slipped and fell in a grocery store. Uh, in August of 2013, and uh, she suffers uh, various injuries, uh, nothing quote-unquote objective, so she didn't break anything or tear any ligaments, uh, but she's developed this chronic pain throughout her body, various parts of her body. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there has been also a psychological overlay. So since the accident... Uh, she's deteriorated psychologically, and so she's had to see, uh, to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist. She has a chronic pain doctor, etc. She was running uh, her own business uh, back then, and uh, it was a profitable business, but she hasn't been able to go back to work since the accident. So again, keep in mind, this is August 2013. Mm-hmm. October of 2013, she goes and hires this personal injury lawyer, uh, who I don't know, by the way. I know the name, but I, I don't recognize him. And, uh, and I ask her, okay, well, so what's been happening with your claim? And she says, well, I was just at the lawyer's office last week, and uh, he communicated to me an offer from the insurance adjuster, so the insurance company for the grocery store, uh, for, for a, a settlement offer for my claim, which is in the five-figure range. Okay. Now, I'm telling you right now, John, she's 37 years old. She has chronic pain since August of 2013, or she has pain, sorry, that's developed into a chronic pain mm-hmm. syndrome. Uh, she's seeing all these specialists. She has uh, been forced to stop a profitable business because yeah. she hasn't been able to handle it. This is not a five-figure uh, five claim. This is at a minimum a six-figure claim uh, somewhere within that rate, potentially even more. Uh, so long story short, when she's telling me that her lawyer uh, hasn't gone through the critical stages of a claims process, in other words, over the last two and a half, three years, all that's happened is he's been communicating with this insurance adjuster immediately I have alarm bells go off. Immediately it's a red sign, it's a red flag. And, and you know you know why she came to see me? Because she says to me, even though my uncle told me to come and see you uh, and to speak with you, I sensed that something was off. I mean, the lawyer was non-communicating, right. did not communicate with me, did not give me updates. Uh, you know, I, I really have to continue going after him, uh, uh, calling, emailing. And, 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 you know, even now he's telling me that it's going to be God knows how many years before my claim is resolved. 
Wow, what 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 a what a what a huge waste of time. That's good service. It, it's insane, John. And you know, so my concern, obviously, and for anybody who's listening, who's been listening to the show, is has the lawyer even started a claim within the prescribed limitation period, which is two years from the date of the accident? So if the accident happened August, let's say August tenth, two thousand and thirteen. She would have had until August 10th, 2015, right? So that's my concern right now, whether or not, in fact, a claim was issued. And if a claim was issued, you know, we can deal with it. It's okay. You know, we can repair whatever damage has been done. Clearly, not much has been done on this claim. And what I did is, and this is what I do in most consultations, I'll take out a piece of paper and I'll jot down, I'll, I'll, I'll create a diagram of the claims process. And what struck her really is that visually she could see that she was really at the beginning stages of her wow. claim, even though because of the passage of all this time, she should have actually been towards the end of it. I mean, her claim should have been resolved, if not almost resolved at this point. And instead, she's now at the beginning stages. And, and of course, you know, it's extremely frustrating. She's been on ODSP, Ontario Works. Uh, it, it's just crazy. She has no income. Uh, her daughter, who came with her, by the way, had to, had to stop school uh, because she has to help at home. Uh, she has a sister, a little sister, that she's now helping the mother who's injured take care of the sister. It's just it's a tragic case. And what compounds the tragedy and, and, and really makes me furious is the fact that nothing has been done from a legal standpoint. Nothing substantive has been done. So for everyone out there who's listening, if you know someone who is in that predicament, whether they're dealing with an injury case or a disability case by themselves or have representation, but nothing seems to be happening, ask questions. Ask questions. As my wife likes to say, be the squeaky wheel, okay? Make sure that you squeak, make sure that you ask questions, demand answers from the lawyer, from your legal team. And if you're still not getting anything, come to me, email me, call me. Not going to cost you anything. We'll have a chat for a few minutes and I'll tell you exactly where you should be. 416-216-5910, 416-216-5910, and email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. A couple more cases to get through, and we'll go back to that one for uh, for a brief moment when we return. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Savan's contact number is really simple, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Just before the break, we are talking about your first uh, week that was case. This lady who has had no satisfaction with her lawyer two and a half years in, and it's barely gotten started. How is that an advantage to the lawyer? It's not. It's not. And, and this is really what, what's interesting here is that this lawyer apparently has been doing this for 35 years. You know, and sometimes I think to myself that, uh, you know, these l- lawyers who've been around for decades and decades, uh, does that help the client or, or, or does it not? I'm not sure exactly because I know quite a few of these kinds of lawyers that are just completely useless. Old dogs. Uh, oh, yeah, you said it, not me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, and there's some other lawyers who are just exceptional. They're just, they're phenomenal. Not, you know, they know exactly what they're doing. They have, a, they have a team approach. And that's another thing, by the way. And I explain this. We have a team approach at the office, whether it's, it's, it's on the personal injury side or the insurance side or the employment side. Look, in every claims process, we may have 30 steps we have to get through, okay, depending on the case. Uh, you want to have a team attacking your case. If you have one person doing absolutely everything, it's going to take time. Instead, you have a team approach. So, for example, if I have a case that I'm dealing with, I'll have another lawyer or two helping me with the case. I'll have uh, a law clerk. I'll have uh, office clerks. I'll have an assistant, et cetera, et cetera. So you have, let's say, five, six, seven people working on the case. There's always communication. We're always talking to each other, but we're doing tasks in parallel because you can move things forward much sure. quicker. And that was a huge frustration when I was on the insurance side. And, uh, you know, I would be defending insurance companies and I would get instructions from my adjusters to move cases forward, and I would be writing and calling and emailing 
the plaintiff lawyers only to get nothing in return. So, you know, and, and, and this goes to the point of, of, of just explaining to you that it's very frustrating not only on, on, the, on, on the injured individual side, but on the adjuster side. They, yeah. they, they want to resolve claims. Insurance adjusters want to resolve claims. I know sometimes it seems counterintuitive. Oftentimes it seems counterintuitive, but it's not. Their job is to close claims. They don't want to overpay for the claim, sure. but they want to close the, the claim. And of, exactly. And oftentimes, yep. th- there's just lack of communication on the plaintiff's side. Now, you as the injured individual, you may not know that your lawyer is not communicating with the adjuster. But that non-communication, failure to communicate, results in months, if not years of delay. What's our next case? All right. So this is an interesting one. It's a car accident case. I spoke with a 52-year-old um, gentleman who had uh, a bad right knee for many years. He had a knee replacement about two years ago or so, and he's been okay ever since. Works as a carpenter, and he was able to resume full duties after his rehab. Um, now, he, he earns around $65,000 a year. Now, he was in a car accident about a month ago when someone T-boned him at an intersection. He hit his right knee on the dashboard, which often happens, unfortunately, and he's had severe pains ever since. Now, apparently, the damage to his knee now means that he needs surgery again. So just imagine that. He already went through surgery through full rehab. Now he has to have surgery again. And he called me not because of his injury, but because he was concerned that the insurance company wants to repair his car rather than write it off, Uh, which, of course, he disagrees with, and I get a lot of these kinds of calls. So first of all, let me deal with uh, the small issue, which is the repair versus write-off. And and again, this is going to come as a surprise to a lot of people, but understand that insurance companies have the option of writing off or repairing your vehicle. All of us have uh, auto policies. And and really, if you go and Google OAP, OAP1, Ontario Automobile Policy, you'll see that section 5.4.3 says that the insurance company has a discretion and the right to replace or repair. So don't call me with those kinds of questions. You don't have the option of telling the insurance company what you want them to do. Sometimes it really stinks, but they have the option to just repair it. Absolutely, exactly. But why is this case interesting? Because he was concerned with the repair versus the write-off versus the actual injury to his knee. And and this this is the thing. You know, he has a significant claim for compensation here. Uh, and he didn't even think about his claim. He simply called me on a side issue. So oftentimes, uh, people who are in car accidents are focused really on the wrong thing. And when I say wrong thing, I don't mean it's not the legitimate issue right. that they're dealing with. But, you know, they're not aware uh, fully of their rights. Rights for compensation for pain and suffering, for potential rehab expenses they're going to have down the road, uh, for income loss they could potentially have. I mean, this guy is a carpenter. I'm telling you right now that if he has another surgery to his knee, he's going to be off work. Well, who's going to cover, you know, the expense? So very, very important to understand that when you're in a car accident, especially when you have significant injuries, you need to get legal advice, not only about the side issues like repair or replace of a car, property damage, et cetera, but you want to know what you can get from a compensation standpoint because, again, you have that two-year limitation period within which you can start claims. Got about uh, two minutes left for this uh, segment. Let's touch on the uh, the third case you're talking about. The third case is a long-term disability case. Again, an area that we've been exploring for quite a while now because there are just so many questions that are born out of it. So this is a gentleman who called me because his wife, keep in mind again, John, uh, a family member who's calling on behalf of another family member, very frequent. Uh, So this man called me because of his wife, who is 45, and she suffers from chronic pain and debilitating migraines. She was paid long-term disability for two years, and then she was cut off in December of last year because she was told 
get this, that she doesn't meet the new definition of totally disabled. So I spoke with her and reviewed her medical documents and became convinced that she really could not work in any profession, let alone in a profession in which she was suited for by training, education, or experience. Yep. Unfortunately, she was with an insurance company, and I'm not going to name them. Uh, they are known to cut off people, uh, disabled individuals, almost automatically <laughs> once they get to the two-year mark. And we've spoken about that quite a lot. That some insurance companies, they're not going to say that, you know outright that this is what they do, but we know that that's what they do. They simply cut off people at the two-year mark. And, and, you know, again, the issue is really why are people not standing up for themselves? Why are people not fighting that? Well, because most people think that they can't do anything about it, that that's not correct. The reality is that it's not difficult to resolve these kinds of claims. Uh, it's not difficult to start the claims process and get the insurance company to the table to resolve the claim. And oftentimes the resolution of the claim is not necessarily going to create a situation where the person, you know, is under tremendous stress. Why? Because we are dealing with the claim, right. not them. They can Dr. actually fo- they can focus on getting healthy, yeah. which is really the goal of the whole exercise. Leave the legalities to us. Let us deal with it. Uh, we'll get the case resolved. We'll get you either reinstated on benefits or you're going to resolve your claim for a lump sum settlement that's going to carry you over into the future and compensate you for the, uh, you know, the income that you're not going to be able to, uh, to earn. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's the email which we will kick off the next segment with and we'll get into the injury calculator as well. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. Talk radio, name 640. The number is 416-216-5910, Savant's direct number, and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, which I will get one and throw one at you right now. You can answer. Uh, Gene from Aurora says, I heard your last few shows. I wanted to ask you a question. My son fell in a parking lot near our house because of ice. About two and a half years ago, he broke his knee and had surgery done on it. We had a lawyer who settled the case with the insurance company directly for about forty-five grand, but he never explained to my son how he arrived at that amount or what it covers. My son needs another second, that is, and will need to take more time off. Uh, who will cover that loss? Surgeries? Well, Gene, I have, uh, I have really bad news for you, unfortunately. If you settled with the insurance company that insured whoever owned that property, uh, and you sign the release that says that for that $45,000 you are foregoing, or your son is foregoing uh, any any further compensation, uh, then no one is going to be covering that. Yeah, one you're and have done. To, you got it, yeah. yeah. I mean, to the extent that there is income loss, uh, he's going to suffer that. To the extent that there is any rehab that has to be done, um, OHIP is going to have to cover that. This is why it's so critical to make sure that you get the proper legal advice Uh, when you get injured. And, and, you know, when you get to the point where there is a settlement, I I walk my client through through the entire breakdown of the settlement. What are the legal costs? What what are the uh, uh, fees for the various providers? Uh, What are you netting in your pocket? You know, can you do this or can you do that subsequently after the settlement? Very, very important people to understand. And, And oftentimes, uh, you know, lawyers just don't want to take the time for, for a variety of reasons. And then you have people like Gina and his son who are faced situ- facing a situation where essentially from, from just my reading of the email, it seems to me like there's been uh, an improvident settlement. And that's yeah. a term that's used to, ex- to, to, to uh, characterize a settlement that's not adequate. You know, when the claim should have been, uh, sorry, the settlement should have been, let's say, for $100,000 and you settled for 10000 That's improvident, okay? That's, you've undersettled the claim. And that happens quite frequently. And I can confess to you, John, that having worked as a defense lawyer for insurance companies, uh, and of course, back then, my loyalty was to insurance companies, 
I would occasionally enter into these kinds of settlements where I knew, I knew that I was getting, I I knew that that my client was paying a fraction of what, you know, the the plaintiff should be getting, but that wasn't, my job wasn't to protect the plaintiff, the the claimant. My job was to protect the insurance company. It wasn't my fault that they were using a bad lawyer or a paralegal, somebody who didn't know what they were doing. So extremely important that before you settle a claim, before a family member settles a claim, you get... Uh, proper advice and understand exactly what it is that the compensation is for and how it breaks down. That email again is help at the insurance lawyer.ca. We'll talk about the injury calculator now. Give me some details on this tool. The injury calculator, very interesting tool uh, that we've created uh, about a year ago, my team and I. It's a free uh, and anonymous online tool uh, that you can go on it, enter a few key pieces of information about your injury, when it happened, where it happened, what kind of injury you suffered. And what this calculator does is it runs through an algorithm that goes through a database of cases, cases from across the country, cases where other people in your situation uh, injured themselves. And and what it does is it spits out a range of potential dollar value. So uh, pain and suffering that you could potentially be getting if you start a claim for your injuries. So for example, John, if you uh, were in a car accident uh, two years ago, you went through the claims process. Uh, you know, you had back pains, the calculator may say that you're owed anywhere, let's say from thirty to $50,000 for pain and suffering. Now, again, very important to understand that we're not creating these numbers out of thin air. It's not like we just said, you know, poof, and and there you go. This is what I think you should be getting. No, this is based on our research of cases from across the country. What have other judges said about cases like yours, about injuries like yours, about scenarios like yours? And that's why you get a range because you can have two people who are 45 years old, but back pain for this person may not be the same as the back pain for sure. this person, right? This person may be unable to go back to work because of this back pain. The other person could be working with pain. Therefore, you have different ranges of damages. But oftentimes people call me up and say, look, I've been injured. I broke my wrist. I tore my shoulder. Uh, I, I have a traumatic brain injury, whatnot. They're asking me, well, what's the dollar value I could expect? And, and lawyers are very hesitant in providing that because there are so many factors and variables that go into assessing damages. But the one thing that lawyers can do, personal injury lawyers who have experience, is they can run through uh, their mental database based on their experience and figure out, well, what is the range that you can expect to get for pain and suffering? Right. Well, we've taken this out of the equation with this new tool, and what we've done is we've actually inputted uh, the, 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 the actual database of all these cases across the country, and, and, and that's what this tool is doing. It's, it's saying, look, for the type of injury that you are mentioning, that you are asking about, here is what the cases have shown that people can, be, can get if right. they start a claim for compensation for pain and suffering. Now, this is just pain and suffering. Just right. pain and suffering. So, you know, you, you, could, you could be uh, in a situation where you've torn your shoulder and you could be entitled to, let's say, $60,000 for pain and suffering, but, you know, may, maybe you were a construction worker and now you can't work. And now you're losing, let's say, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year for the next God knows how many years. Right. So as you can imagine, a claim like that, the pain and suffering component of the claim can be dwarfed by the amount of income loss that you could be entitled to. Okay. So again, very, very important that you know to understand that this tool gives you just uh, you know it's the tip of the iceberg. It just gives you an idea of what the pain and suffering component of your claim 
could be, uh, but there could be many other types of compensation you could be entitled to. Which is uh, way too many, there's too much minutia to, to, you can't, to make a calculator for That's you. right, you yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't create a calculator for that, but that's why when you go through the calculator, which of course is anonymous, you can click on the button at the end right. for a free consultation, and you can input your name and your number and your email, and then that gets sent to me, and then we can communicate, and I can give you a better idea about your specific case. And then go forth. If, if you, you don't need. press that button, I, I would have no idea you ever entered anything into this calculator. There's also another thing you can use on the other side, and that is mydisabilityquestions.com. Right? That's, That's right. One. You can That's use right. that or myaccidentquestions.com. Similar type of thing. It doesn't give you a range, but it'll go through questions you've had possibly about your injury or otherwise, and chances are a drop-down menu. It's been asked and been answered before. Right? Yeah, and oftentimes, I mean, th- these questions on those websites, uh, th- they come directly to me. So right. I'm the one giving those answers. Uh, and, you know, you choose to do what you want to do with them. But the point is, you have a question about an injury or a disability, get an answer. ask them on those websites. You're going to get an answer for free within minutes. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll begin our conversation with car accidents. Got some questions for you in that regard. And get to some more emails as well right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM 640. The number to get all of Savan, very simple, 416-216-5910, help at the insurancelawyer.ca through email. We talked about, or at least uh, touched on car accidents in one of your week that was uh, cases, so we'll get back to that. S- simple question, really. Can you get compensation for any injury you suffer in a car accident? The answer is no, and this is something that has been um, uh, widely discussed uh, in, in legal forms, but generally speaking, people in Ontario are not necessarily aware that there are some limitations, which is why, again, it's very important to get the proper legal right. advice offhand, like immediately after an accident. Uh, now, it, 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 years and years ago, uh, the government and its wisdom put in legislation uh, to, to uh, weed out the smaller type claims, you know, the fender benders, right. uh, the, the, the really small claims that uh, would generate claims for insurance companies, which arguably would have pushed insurance rates up. Uh, and there's a big debate about whether or not that actually was true and, you know, the insurance lobby and, and how they've been able to really weed out a lot of these claims, uh, but also prevent very legitimate claims. So here's the 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 dispelling of the myth, so to speak. Uh, if you're in a car accident, you don't have to break anything or tear anything in order to get compensation for pain and suffering. That said, there is this kind of a threshold, quote unquote, threshold. And if you Google this, and I don't necessarily tell people to Google this stuff, but if you do, you'll find a lot of mixed messages out there uh, where they tell you, look, unless you've broken something, don't bother filing for a claim. No, it's incorrect. Generally speaking, if you have an injury that is serious and permanent, then you're going to be entitled to compensation in a car accident situation, particularly in the event that somebody is at fault for the accident. Okay. Now, what does that mean, serious and permanent? Well, permanency and seriousness, those are legal terms, and they've been defined uh, through through adjudication of various cases mm-hmm. over the years. Generally speaking, if we see that a, a certain injury is becoming chronic, uh, you know, it, it plagues the person, the person is not able to get back on their feet 100% a year, two years, three years later, we generally deem them to be chronic. I'm not a doctor, but generally you have doctors saying, look, if it's been persisting, this pain, this limitation for several years, it's going to be chronic. And that will generally satisfy the permanency criteria. The question then becomes, is the injury serious? How do you determine if it's serious? What's serious to you may not be serious to me and vice versa. Generally, we look as to whether or not this has affected your ability to earn income. It doesn't mean that you have to be off work completely for this to happen, but perhaps you are working overtime hours, John, 
and, and now you can't. Well, you know, it's serious to you because clearly you, you know, you're losing income. And, and, you know, there's a variety of ways of looking at seriousness, but the, the, the answer to the question is no, not in every car accident situation, you can actually claim for compensation. Now, keep in mind something else. Pain and suffering is subject to that threshold. In other words, to get a dollar value, to get money for compensation for pain and suffering from a car accident, you have to cross that threshold. You have to show that your injuries are in fact permanent and serious. That said, if you've lost actual uh, income or you've suffered other out-of-pocket expenses, that is not subject to the deductible. That's not subject to the threshold. It means that you can actually advance that claim. So, what do you take out of all of this? You take out of all of this that you don't have to break or tear anything to get compensation, okay, for whether it's loss of income or pain and suffering, etc. And you should 100% consult with an injury lawyer to figure out if you fit the criteria that will allow you to get compensation. And oftentimes people will go to a lawyer and the lawyer says, no, 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 you don't fit that criteria. And a year, two years down the road, uh, you know, the injuries are not going away, the limitations are not going away, and if you've passed the two-year limitation period, you may have passed uh, the, 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 the period of time within which you can start a claim for compensation. What if it's an injury, like you said, not all injuries you can see if they're inside tissue or joints or, or tendons, but what if it's more of a psychological injury? How do, you, how do you prove that? Well, that's, again, very, very interesting. Generally, we look at the kind of treatments the person has had. We look at the notations in their family doctor's records. If the person has been referred to a psychologist or a social worker, a psychiatrist, you know, you want to see a trail of medical documents. If somebody's saying, look, I'm very depressed, I can't get out of bed, I can't do anything, and meanwhile, when you look and the accident happened two years ago and they've gone to their family doctor only twice in the last two years and they've sought no other help whatsoever, you are questioning the legitimacy of that claim, right? The credibility is at stake here. And when you're dealing with psychological or emotional type injuries, which are very prevalent, by the way, uh, and generally you see them as well with chronic pain type cases, where somebody has the back pain and the neck pain, and it's just really depressing them, and they're more anxious, and they can't sleep, etc. You really want to see a medical trail, which is why I tell people, you know, not only for the legal case, but also for your own uh, mental and physical health, you should be seeking help. You should be following up on recommendations by your specialists, by your family doctor, the walk-in doctors, etc. Got a couple minutes to go here. I'll get to another email quickly before we break. Comes from uh, Jamie from Ajax. Says, I was in a car accident three months ago and still haven't been able to go back to work. I spoke with two lawyers who both said that because I didn't break anything, there you go, I need to wait at least a year before starting a claim for compensation against the other driver who caused the accident. Uh, Why do we need to wait that long? You don't. It's complete nonsense. And again, this goes back to the point of you have to get the proper legal advice. And unfortunately, for many people out there, how do they know if they're getting the right legal advice? Well, it's like, you know, seeing doctors, right? You get a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion until you are comfortable with the answer you're getting. Uh, So, you know, if you're in a car accident three months ago and you haven't been able to go back to work, Jamie, chances are your injuries are more significant than someone, obviously, who has been able to go back to work within a day or two. Uh, Now, you spoke with those two lawyers you mentioned, and they said because you didn't break anything, you need to wait at least a year. That's absolute nonsense. And I keep hearing this. You have to wait for a year. You have to wait for a year. No, you don't. It's an arbitrary line that's been drawn in the sand by many lawyers. If I have a client or someone coming to me and they haven't been able to go back to work for a few months, whether it's after an accident or a slip and fall or whatnot, I start the claim now because it's going to take time to go through the process anyways. You know, I can't imagine that people are just staying at home just so that they can 
potentially win big with this claim. Right. No, you know what? There's some people out there who do this. They do this on bad advice. They sue this because uh, they do this because they see mo- in the movies. You know, you can get fifty million dollars for your claim. Mm. No, it doesn't work like that in Canada. If you are injured, legitimately injured, you're unable to go back to work. Uh, for a few weeks, a few months, you should not be waiting for a year. You should not be losing that income for a year before you actually start the process to get the compensation that you actually deserve. Get on top of it. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. We'll get to lots more of the insurance and injury law show, car accident stuff and emails coming up on Talk Radio AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. To get a hold of Savannah, there's two ways. Email help at theinsurancelawyer.ca or the number 416-216-5910. We'll get to an email. This comes from Josh. We'll get back to our uh, car accident conversation. It says from Stouffville, my girlfriend who was hurt in a car accident about five months ago when another driver with no insurance crossed her lane and hit her. Her lawyer said that her case is more complicated now because he had no insurance. I don't understand what that means. Can't you get compensation for her injuries? Got a concussion and is still having problems at school. All right, so Josh, this is again a topic we've covered before, yeah. and and it's it's really good that you've brought it up. Uh, yeah, she can definitely get compensation. So so the way it works in Ontario is that we have these safety nets that were put in place by the government, which are really good. And what does that mean? It means that you know when you and I drive, John, we all have to have auto insurance. Yeah. We have to have it for a variety of reasons, uh, not not the least of which is because if we are responsible for a car accident and there's a claim against us, our insurance company will then cover us and will compensate the injured individual. Well, what happens if, in the case of, of Joshua's uh, girlfriend, uh, sh- she's struck by someone who has no insurance? Well, in that case, her lawyer puts his girlfriend's insurance company on notice. So let's make this between you and me, John. Uh, you hit me. Uh, you don't have any, you're not driving with insurance. I do have insurance on my car, but I wasn't at fault. Mm-hmm. Not only am I going to get certain benefits from my insurance company, these are called no-fault benefits, okay? They're not going to affect the premiums that I'm paying. Uh, but if you have no insurance, I can actually go to my insurance company and get the same compensation I would have been able to get out of you had you had insurance. Wow. And the reason for that, again, is because the government did not want people to uh, be in a situation where they are um, uh, injured as a result of someone who was driving without insurance. So all of us, almost as a a standard thing in terms of our, our, our policies, our auto policies, uh, we, we have we, we have the safety net where we can go after our insurance company for compensation, the same compensation we would be able to get uh, from your insurance company had you had it. Can you help somebody with no insurance even if I got hit, they didn't have insurance, I didn't have insurance? Yes, in that case, well, in that case, you go to what's called the Motor Vehicle Accident Fund, oh. and, and that's managed by the government. Uh, it's not necessarily the easiest process, uh, but, you know, generally speaking, when you have a collision between two cars or more, someone has insurance. It's you very hope. unusual, you hope, yeah, right. very unusual to be in a situation where no one has insurance. It does happen, uh, but it's very unusual. But what people need to understand is, you know, if the other person who, who was, was responsible for the accident had no insurance or perhaps we're driving uh, without a proper license, or we're drunk and there's issues with their insurance, they are going to be able to recover from their own insurance company what they could have recovered cool. from the other person's insurance company. 416-216-5910 is Savannah's number anytime. Talking about medical treatments, if someone's injured in a car accident, they uh, do they have to get re- rehab treatments for their injuries? They don't. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who you know prefer not to go the standard route of, of chiropractic, massage, yeah. physio. They'll go the naturopathic uh, medicine. There's nothing wrong with the alternative methods of, of getting better. Uh, you know, 
naturopathy or, or a whole bunch of you know osteopaths. There's a whole bunch of other types of treatments. Nothing wrong with that except for this. If you are advancing a claim for compensation for personal injuries, one of the questions you're going to be asked by the other side is, did you follow your doctor's recommendations? Right. And if you say, no, I chose not to, but I did something else, they're not going to listen to the but I did something else. They're going to say, oh, wait a second. You did not follow medical advice. Therefore, you contributed to the fact that you're not better now. In other words, they're not going to take the fact that you chose a different path as, uh, um, uh, you know, to mean that that you did not have a responsibility to follow the recommendations of your own doctor. That, that's the point. They're expecting you to follow medical doctor's recommendations. So, you know, you don't have to do the rehab that you are recommended, but I strongly advise it, not only from a, a legal standpoint, but also from a health standpoint. It's a good idea. There's nothing wrong with you doing other things but do them in conjunction with what the medical doctors are saying. Right. That's all, that's all I'm saying. That's your case, right? Yeah, and insurance companies see it the same way. They, they, they you know, it's not that they're not going to believe your injuries. It's that they're going to take the, the position that, you know, you fail to mitigate. You fail to do everything right. you could do in your power to get better. So, you know, to, to help your case, if it's, a, if it's a severe legal case, do you always need to get a specialist to prove it or just a GP? Uh, you, you can certainly get a GP, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with a family doctor. I mean, it, it, the, the, only, the only issue is this, that family doctors oftentimes uh, are, are seen as advocates for their, their clients. So oftentimes insurance companies are going to look at what the family doctor is saying, and they're going to say, well, it's your family doctor, right? Yeah. He has an interest or she has an interest in you know, advancing your claim, not for monetary reasons, but because they know you, they know the family, they want to help you out, as opposed to a specialist who's, who's more removed from you. Again, I'm not painting everyone with the same brush. I'm just saying that generally there is this feel from the insurance side that if your injuries are really severe, you would be seen by a specialist. Right. So you don't have to have one, but that's the idea. It is, well, you know, John, if you have a shoulder injury uh, and, and it's just your family doctor you've been going to for the last few years as opposed to an orthopedic surgeon, clearly it's not as bad of a situation as if you had you know, a consult with the orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon started talking about surgery. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't come across as a more serious injury if there's no specialist involved. Should you be asking your doctor you know, at one appointment or another saying, look, you know, if this did this claim, I'm making a claim with, uh, with my insurance, I'll be seeing a lawyer. Can you please recommend me to a specialist? Well, that question is a bit loaded. And, and the reason it's loaded is because I would never tell somebody to get a specialist appointment just to help their legal case. Right, right. It does help your legal case. Right. Okay, That's beside the point. But you should get that specialist uh, uh, appointment if, in fact, the, the injury is not going away, the impairment is not going away, it's getting worse. You need a further investigation. You need to make sure... Uh, that One kind fact, of causes the other. If it gets worse and worse, you're going to have to go beyond your, your absolutely, GP, right? 100%. Yeah. And I've had that happen to me before where the GP was just refusing to have uh, this lady that I had as a client uh, go and have her shoulder injury investigated. And when she finally did get an appointment and got an MRI done, they, 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 they saw a tear, a full thickness tear on her shoulder, and, and, and she underwent surgery. So, you know, it's very important from a health standpoint, right. but of course it does bolster your case. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through an email. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back from a short break on the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here, Talk Radio, AM640.
Savan's number, 416-216-5910. That's his direct number anytime, even when the show is done. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email. We'll get to one from Kirill here in uh, Richmond Hill. Says, my mother slipped and fell in a wet floor at a grocery store last week. She broke her hip and is still in hospital after her surgery. I'm concerned that now uh, she'll need someone to help her with everything around the house, or worse, that she'll need to go home after she's discharged. Uh, go to a home, rather. Uh, who's going to pay for that? Fantastic question, Kirill. And this is, again, something that we see quite often uh, uh, w- with people suffering these kinds of injuries, and then they need you know, the extra care. Uh, and, and who is going to pay for that? Well, there's a, there's a limit to what CCAC, Community Care Access Center, is going to pay. There's a limit to what OHIP is going to cover and the various social services that we have out there. I mean, right. they're taxed to the max. Uh, so, Kirill, I can tell you that uh, if your mother slipped and fell on a wet floor in a grocery store, I, I would bet that there is some negligence on the part of the store. And I know people out there who are listening are saying, well, of course there's negligence. Well, don't assume that there is negligence. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming based on my experience, but don't assume that just because you fell, automatically whoever occupies that space, you know, the store owners or the cleaners, is guilty. Uh, but generally speaking, from my experience, we can establish liability depending on, on a variety of factors. So if we started a claim career for your mother, I can tell you that the insurance company that's responsible for insuring that premises, and maybe there are cleaners involved, which is an outside company, who knows, uh, that they would all be involved here. And through the claims process, there would be a settlement, presumably at some point, mm-hmm. through the claims process, that would take into account all those expenses that your mother is now going to incur and that the family members are now going to incur. Uh, and if she goes into a home, John, these things, uh, these homes are very, very expensive. No kidding. Uh, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 a month. Who is going to pay for that? Well, that has to be accounted for. And, and Kirill, the sooner the sooner you guys contact me, the sooner we can get on this. Again, you don't want to be like that uh, unfortunate lady that I spoke of at the beginning of the show uh, who had her injury back in August of 2013, and her claim, because she's with that other lawyer who hasn't done anything on it, is just at the beginning stages. Uh, you don't want to be in that situation. So call me or email me off air and uh, you know we'll connect and we'll start the claims process very quickly for your mother. 416-216-5910 is that number and help at the insurance See, I'm sure Kirill probably didn't do this, but looking back, if 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 he had done it at the time, it's always important as well if, uh, if he was there with his mom to take a picture of the wet floor, right? Absolutely. If you can do that, whether whether you take a picture or you send somebody to take a picture, uh, and, and you know, oftentimes in these kinds of places, grocery stores, uh, malls, those places, they have cameras uh, th- that that are usually security type cameras, right? They, they want to avoid shoplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but oftentimes we can ask for that footage, especially if that footage was was has captured the incident, which sometimes it does, uh, to, to be to, to be uh, uh, saved so that we can produce it down down the road uh, during the claims process. But yeah, if you can get photographs, if you can get statements from witnesses, all these things are extremely helpful in establishing negligence against the occupier of the premises. Especially things like wet floors and ice that are going to disappear, right? Absolutely. And you can't prove it. Exactly, exactly. Very, very important because oftentimes it's, it's a he said, she, she said situation. We always ask for cleaning records to see Right. Uh, you know, if in fact they took care of the area and when's the last time that they swept the floor, uh, cleaned the floor. And oftentimes these records are deficient. But if you have a picture, you know, picture is worth a thousand words. You got it. We'll get to one more email here before we uh, wrap up and do some other business. Marilyn from Oakville writes in. Again, it's help at the insurance lawyer.ca. She says, four years ago, my son was in a terrible accident and was very badly injured. It was a terrible time and he is still trying to get his life back together. He was 15, year, uh, 15 years old at the time. I know there's a two-year limitation period for starting claims. You've been saying that on your show since the beginning. Uh, does that mean there's nothing we can do now? He was a passenger and his friend drove into a ditch. 
Oh boy, no. Uh, for for minors, um, so individuals under eighteen years of age, uh, the limitation period generally does not start to run until they are eighteen. So, oh. Mar- Marilyn, we can definitely help. Absolutely. Uh, just give me a call. Uh, yeah, we often see this, John, with uh, with children where the parents uh, are very weary of starting anything. You do have time. You have to be careful. There's been a decision out there that says that, you know, as soon as you have a litigation guardian or as soon as you could have a litigation guardian, the, the clock may start ticking. So you don't want to wait too long. Uh, but Marilyn, I suspect that in, in your son's case, if he was 15 and, and you know, now he's interested in in, um, in in starting a claim. He's 19 years old right now. He probably would be able to, but don't wait too long. Call me, contact me, and let's talk about it. Let's start uh, the claim as soon as possible. Why is there such a long limitation period with minors? Well, the law doesn't want to prejudice minors. It wants to make sure that if you have a minor, uh, uh, that 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 you know that minor's rights are protected. And I'll tell you more than this, John. When you have a minor's claim, if I resolve a minor's claim with the insurance company, it's not just me and the other lawyer or the insurance company that can agree on on the settlement. We actually have to have a judge approve the settlement. That, that's how that's how carefully the courts treat minors and how you know the, the government and legislation protect minors in these kinds of, of circumstances. Uh, and it makes sense if you think about it. And oftentimes, by the way, you may have an injury uh, to somebody who is, let's say, five years old, 10 years old. You may not know the full impact of those injuries until much later in they're their life. Growing. Because they're still growing. Exactly. Wow, no so for all those reasons and many more, the limitation period does not necessarily start running until they hit 18 years of age. Before we wrap it up, let's reiterate, and that is, uh, you know your favorite tool the injurycalculator.ca go and use it we get people using it on a weekly basis tons of people it costs absolutely nothing it's anonymous it just gives you an idea of what type of compensation you could be looking at uh, for personal injury if you've suffered uh, in a car accident or a slip and fall in Ontario injurycalculator.ca for pain and suffering brilliant. Is, right? it, it, for yeah. pain and suffering only exactly and if you don't want me to know about it just run through the calculator and don't do anything else if you want to communicate with me, you want to email me particulars of your claim so we can have a chat about your specific case, by all means, just hit the button at the end that says free consultation. Injurycalculator.ca. You can also check out, if you have any other questions now that the show is over for this week, mydisabilityquestions.com and myaccidentquestions.com as well. There's uh, probably a question that's been asked and answered since your came into your head, but check it out. That's available online as well. Till next time, the number 416-216-5910 and Savannah's direct email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640.